Again, just staying with the theme of the day, we'll be speaking about the safe houses. Remember, yesterday we, we started a conversation about the role, the role of safe houses and their contribution, uh, again, to the fight, the fight for liberation. And today we'll be hearing just the personal experiences of those who are in exile, just ordinary people who were in exile and their own experiences of what it was like to try and flee and uh, you know how it was like being received again in different parts of this country so um, much of the conversations we'll have today are very much in, in in line with the theme of the day but also just I suppose reflecting on the history of what has brought us here and it's important to remember because if we don't remember we will take for granted even the situation that we are in today. So on that note then, we're going to get started with our first conversation for this morning. Before we do that, a little bit of a walk down memory lane. They developed a coalition in this region of Southern Africa, a coalition between independent states and the liberation movements. All of whom agreed that we have got a common task of ensuring the liberation of the unliberated countries. And uh, we, we have got, therefore, a, a responsibility to cooperate and coordinate among ourselves and support one another. As the struggle went on, um, the South Africans became uh, uh, mean and became uh, very punitive and um, uh, try to force every uh, country around them to toe the line. These countries, instead of using the few resources available to build schools, hospitals, water systems and so on, they have to put a lot of money to build military capacity. That's why we have to go to international forums to request that this is no longer frontline state conflict, frontline war. This is beyond the frontline states. This belongs to Africa. As we were sitting lunchtime, sorting out the mail, I was also with a friend of mine who worked with me, called Matata. And so we opened this parcel and it exploded. It died on the spot. My friends or spent, I also uh, nearly died. Uh, my left ear drum was damaged even today. We were fortunate to survive because the office where we were was prefab. Had it been concrete, would have all died. It was dangerous. Our conditions were very, very harsh. We, we stood in line for rations of, of uh, bread, of, of rice, of cooking oil. We could buy fish from the market and so on. And we worked very long hours from early morning to late at night. I had to learn the Portuguese language. And uh, it was an exhilarating and at times baffling and difficult, strenuous, frustrating period for me. And suddenly one day it was, I'm going to the beach to relax a little bit and boom. Come on. 
Well, the singing that you're hearing there is the voice of former president of Mozambique, Samora Michelle, and he was singing during a party gathering. You would have also heard the voices of former president Tabombeki, also Justice Albi Sachs with that infamous story of how he lost part of his arm during that bombing and, you know, all of that taking place while he was in exile in Mozambique. Now, we know about the contribution that Mozambique played, bearing the brunt of the apartheid government. This was in particular for allowing the ANC to operate from that country. President Joaquim Chisano is the former president of Mozambique. President Chisano, good morning and thank you so much for your time today. Good morning. Well, today marks 27 years since the majority of South Africans first took to the polls under a democratic South Africa to cast their vote. Do you remember what this day was like for you as the then Mozambican president? Yes, this was a, a very, very big day because it uh, represents uh, the victory of a, a long struggle which was uh, waged by uh, South African people together with the Mozambican people and mm-hmm. indeed with all peace-loving people of the world. So we're very glad, and it coincided that it was uh, in, 1970, uh, in 1990, 1994 also that uh, we were preparing for elections which were held in October. So the same year uh, as uh, South Africa was acceding to a democratic society, uh, a non uh, racial uh, and non-sexy mm-hmm. uh, uh, democracy. You're, you're referencing there a commonality uh, between the journey... Sorry, sorry, I, I didn't get you there. So I'm saying that you're, refer- you're referencing there a commonality between the journey that South Africa was walking at the time, but also the journey that Mozambique was walking. Speak to me about the similarities of these struggles that not just these two countries were facing, but countries in Southern Africa as a region and perhaps on the continent uh, more broadly. First, uh, similarity. Uh, well, before speaking about similarity, mm-hmm. let, let me say that uh, uh, South Africa inspired uh, all liberation movements. Uh, the ANC was the first liberation movement uh, in, in, in 1912. So uh, we come after that. But uh, South Africa, uh, I mean, the liberation movement in South Africa supported the creation of uh, the liberation movements uh, in other countries. In the case of Mozambique, 
we had the, the cooperation since the beginning of uh, both big liberation movements, uh, ANC and uh, its opponent, the PAC, uh, to transport our uh, freedom fighters who came from the southern part of, of Mozambique to uh, Tanzania. Uh, uh, it suffice to say that uh, uh, President Samora was given a lift in a plane by Joe Love to go to, to Zambia mm-hmm. and then join the liberation struggle. In uh, Dar es Salaam, we, in, in Tanzania, we uh, uh, shared the same training center with, uh, uh, with, with the ANC in central part of, of Tanganyika. Uh, it was uh, uh, Kongwa uh, camp. And so we were sharing the same, the same center. And, in, and, and later on, we, had, we received the swap also in the same center. Uh, but speaking about the similarities, is that uh, we uh, in Mozambique were forced to go into the armed struggle mm-hmm. because of the intransigence of the colonial regime. Uh, and in South Africa, uh, there was no way for talk, for dialogue, in order to create a democratic country. And so the ANC and other forces were forced to take up arms. And that's why we found ourselves together with the ANC and other liberation movements. And that happened later in, in Rhodesia also. And we, 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 we had to, 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 to fight. We all had the support of Tanzania and of the, Af- the Africa, uh, Organization of African Union uh, through the Liberation Committee, the, the, uh, the committee which was coordinating the, um, the, the struggle for, of, of the different uh, liberation movements. Mm-hmm. We had the, uh, all, we went to uh, conferences of uh, the Organization of African Unity together, and we shared our uh, views about uh, the situation uh, in all these uh, uh, countries, uh, South Africa, Mozambique, uh, Namibia, and so on. We, we were together at the United Nations, uh, so we all uh, fought together to isolate the apartheid regime, to isolate the colonial regime of mm. Portugal to isolate the, the uh, um, racial minority in, in Rhodesia. So we, we waged the same struggle. Actually, it's not a, a, a question of similarities. It's, it was the same struggle. Uh, we were suffering from the same evils because the apartheid and the, the uh, Portuguese colonialism were together. Mm. You were the first president that the late statesman Nelson Mandela paid a visit to after being installed as president of this country. I suppose given how deep those roots run, it wasn't a surprise. But speak to me about the kind of hopes and aspirations that you had, not just for both your countries, but the hopes that you had for South Africa as well in in that moment of the onset of, of democracy. 
Well, for, for us, it was, for me personally, when I received the uh, President Mandela in Mozambique, it was no longer about a hope. It was mm. about a certainty that uh, uh, apartheid was over forever and that South Africa was going to start a process of development, a process of, of creating a, a, a new society where uh, people would, would feel equal to each other. Uh, Mandela, the way uh, he came out from prison, uh, uh, inspired uh, uh, everybody. I thought, even in South Africa, no one would resist to a change. Uh, well, some remnants could have, uh, have uh, stayed there, but they would be overwhelmed by the majority who would support the uh, development programs of South Africa. And we in Mozambique would feel uh, re relieved because we were under sanctions of apartheid. Uh, we were under sanctions. While we fought for imposing sanctions to apartheid, Apartheid, uh, in turn, when we became independent, uh, because we were supporting the ANC, they have uh, uh, applied sanctions against us. Uh, you know that the economies of the two, the colony and the apartheid, the South Africa, were, this, were very much tied. Mm. So uh, it was very easy for apartheid to apply sanctions uh, against us in economic ways, particularly uh, reducing the uh, labor force to, into South, uh, of Mozambique into South Africa, uh, the uh, reducing the uh, uh, export products from South Africa to the world through the port of, of Mozambique. Um, so uh, a number of sanctions like that. So we felt now relieved that now we would uh, start a, a, an era of cooperation between Mozambique and South Africa and, of course, with other uh, uh, countries in the region. So it was a, 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 a big joy and it was a certainty. Uh, it's not just a hope, but it, I felt it really uh, uh, that we mm. were done and we were going to uh, where we, we we wanted to go all the time. President Chisano, 27 years on, there's the opportunity of hindsight and, and reflections on what realistically has been accomplished and I suppose even more importantly, the work that still lies ahead. From the outside looking in and, you know, you would probably be aware of the kind of sentiments that some South Africans express about not truly being free in their own country simply because of the socio-economic challenges that they still have to confront on a day-to-day -day basis. Do you think that that has been a failure of the democratic project in South Africa? How do you analyze where we are as, as a country and I suppose also as a statesman who has seen other countries on the continent have to go through these phases of transition 
and work very hard to establish something beyond that that is successful? And not at all. I think that uh, uh, one has to understand that uh, people have to be prepared to build their own economy. The majority of South Africans were isolated. They were not taking part in the process of development, except through uh, offering their uh, labor force. But all the skills, the management, and so on, have to be uh, day after day acquired. This is another struggle, to acquire knowledge, capacity, and uh, uh, to be equal to others in in these terms. I'm glad that uh, in South Africa, I can see a lot of, of, of people who acquired new capacities after apartheid. I, I am in contact with some companies, mining companies, and when I, I, I started to be in contact with them, I, I didn't find many skilled people there, but today, I have uh, uh, man, uh, we have many uh, mining engineers, many engineers in electricity, many engineers in uh, mechanical engineers and uh, managers. When you go to the women, we find a, a lot of women now who are able to manage, who are even engineers in mining and, and so on. So there's a lot of things which are going on. Uh, so is little by little uh, going up so that we can grab this uh, uh, capacity to control our own economy on benefit of the people. What we need is continue to uh, educate our people in the sense of patriotism so that they know that when they get these skills is not to make money only for themselves but is to put this into the service of, of, of the country so that they, they develop an equitable uh, 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 economy which is equitably distributed uh, by the, the society in terms of uh, bringing new, new roads where there were no roads and this is happening, uh, to bring electricity where there was no electricity and to bring uh, water, drinking water, where there was no drinking water, uh, and uh, uh, development of agriculture skills, so that people become more and more independent in their livelihoods. So it's something which, in my opinion, is happening. But, you know, as people are all uh, free politically, and they, they, they... aspire to better life all the time so it seems that it's something which is going too slow but uh, I, I think that it's not going that much too slow mm-hmm. because we can see that uh, South Africans who yesterday were uh, isolated are uh, coming in and in South Africa you, you, you have taken uh, measures 
by this black empowerment policies, which uh, I found many whites who understand that black empowerment is, is necessary not to isolate the whites, but to bring this equality uh, which we, we all uh, need. Uh, so I, I, I think that uh, we are moving uh, slowly well. Mm. Uh, the more you find uh, uh, citizens uh, who, who take some initiatives and then uh, they grow e- e- economically uh, and get a, a better life, you start noticing some differences in society. But this is it's a, it's part of the system of, of, of development in a market economy where there are uh, uh, discrepancies. Uh, but uh, I, I feel that the government in South Africa is doing the best in order to uh, protect uh, uh, the poorest uh, and to bring equity, uh, uh, bring uh, social justice. I think it takes time to get all uh, done because uh, even in the developed countries you still find these inequalities. So we have to to be together and, and fight and recognize the shortcomings and try to improve. Mm-hmm. The economic situation, of course, part of what it results in is that there's a great scamble for what uh, seems to be very little resources. And part of how we're seeing that translate on a very practical level in some South African communities are tensions that arise between locals and non-nationals who come from different parts of, of the region. When you see that, so when you see some of um, some Mozambican nationals who come under attack at the hands of of South Africans. How does that make you feel? When When you see the attacks that some Mozambican nationals along with some uh, Zimbabwean nationals or any other uh, people coming from different parts of the SADC region into South Africa, falling, coming under attack, this is uh, from some communities in the country, how does that make you feel? Well, uh, I think that this is a, a, a question of uh, ignorance of the realities. Uh, those, uh, those who attack, uh, they even don't know that in the other countries we have South Africans living there, uh, and uh, they are not being attacked, and they have jobs, and sometimes better jobs than, than the local ones. Uh, <clears throat> They, uh, they don't uh, see that uh, some uh, uh, South Af- uh, Mozambicans or Nigerians or Zimbabweans are there doing things which uh, are helpful to, 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 the, to the country. Uh, and they could, it's a, a, a ignorance, you know. Uh, they, they think that uh, they are poor because the others are working there uh, and that they may be taking their, their, their jobs. But it's, in many cases, it's not that. It's uh, that they are taking some initiatives 
that if you take the initiative, uh, you you can develop uh, and 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 have the same gains as as the, the, the Mozambican who are, is there. Actually, you can cooperate with him. <clears throat> There's a time when I went to South Africa and uh, I visited uh, some. Um, uh, some some exhibitions of of uh, furniture which was manufactured by Mozambicans, uh, and I asked why Mozambicans. They said because uh, the others are not there to 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 make this uh, furniture of this type at least. Um, so we are here. Uh, we hardly you find other nationality doing this kind of things. Well, I think that the, the South Africans may can learn from uh, those Mozambicans and do the same thing. And I believe that today, uh, I can see it, uh, there is a lot of initiatives. The South Africans have changed. Uh, they are working. They are working hard. And so they are getting benefits, which some Mozambicans now, even being in South Africa, cannot get because they have developed skills, education, and so on. So it's, it's a question of, uh, of ignorance, and uh, people don't uh, uh, understand how the economy works. And they think that when there's a, a foreigner, then they lose their, their, their place. You go to the market, you'll find a lot of Mozambicans selling goods which the South Africans are not selling. Uh, they are they, not because the Mozambicans are there, because the, the South Africans didn't have that uh, habit of, of sure. selling such goods. So, President. Uh, Shakim Chisano, uh, thank you so much for being in conversation with us and for reflecting on Freedom Day uh, today, 27 years as South Africa marks its democracy or 27 years since people first cast their ballot. And as you heard, the same year in November, Mozambicans also went to the polls for the very first time. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation.